There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Daney. This is Gus Boyet. This is Don Hutchison. This is Jürgen Klopp, and you're listening to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. I traveled to all these interviews from Barcelona, and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast would not happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to become a socio, to become one of our members and get an extra big interview every month plus loads of bonus content. So go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash Graham Hunter and we'll bring you joy. During World Cup 1978, yeah, here's a clue, soccer fans. I was 14. And for the winning team, Argentina, there were three players that stood out for me. Leopoldo Luque, Mario Kempes, and Osvaldo Ardiles. He was my early, early introduction to what would become the glories of Iniesta and Xavi. Didn't know why he stood out to me so much, but in the bike shed at the old Cults Academy... When we were playing World Cup with a tennis ball, two guys against two guys against two guys, and a keeper, first to score goes through. When we smacked that tennis ball past the keeper, Ardiles was the name we were shouting out then. Certainly I was. The first time I met Ozzy Ardiles, quite some significant time later, I found out he was one of the few men in the world who swear as much as I do and as gleefully as I do. I don't care what people say about how I speak about my guests. I choose them with affection and wisdom. I choose them because largely I think they'll bring you great stories and tell them well. But I adore Aussie. World Cup winner. I think, I think the first World Cup winner on this series. Is that right, people? Tell me, help me. Aussie, yeah, everybody's going to remember him for his cheeky skills, his cheeky grit and his toughness. When Mickey Hazard was recently in Barcelona speaking to Spurs fans on stage, he was asked, who would you immediately take one player from your era into the modern Spurs? And he didn't choose Glenn Hoddle, who he thinks the world of. He chose Aussie Ardiles. Aussie Ardiles, you'll remember for, Aussie's going to Wembley, isn't he? He's going to Tremblay. But the young Aussie Ardiles, did you know he was in the Argentinian RAF? Did you know that while he was at university studying to be a lawyer, friends of his who protested, protested democratic values disappeared. And that means they were taken, tortured and killed. Why wasn't he one of them? Who was his infamous father-in-law? What was the World Cup like? Why did he nearly not play in the World Cup final? And when he did, why was there a massive, massive risk to his health and well-being and maybe even 
his eventual freedom. Who knows? There are stories galore in this episode with the mighty Osvaldo Ardiles. I am fortunate enough to know and be friends with his tremendously talented son. There'll be very poignant uh, descriptions of uh, Ozzy's time in the UK during the Falklands War, why he had to leave, what that felt like, and the loss of his cousin, who was the first of the Argentinian casualties during the Falklands War. Maybe not everybody will agree with everything that's said in this episode, but I guarantee you, you will see um, and understand a different side of Osvaldo Ardiles, Spurs legend, yes, manager in several different continents, world champion for Argentina. Stay tuned, this is a special episode. Today, um, beginning of you listeners, we're in the heart of London. It's grey outside, but there's a little ray of sunshine sitting about half a metre away from me. It's the man whose name I used to shout out when I scored a goal in World Cup football in the concrete of Colts Academy in 1958. Sorry, sorry, 1978. We have with us the majestic Osvaldo Ardiles. Ozzy, good morning. morning Hello, yes. good morning. And uh, yeah, the weather is uh, pretty bad outside, but I hope that uh, this interview is going to be a lot better. That's a code for what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> well, yes, this is uh, exactly <laughs> when I was working toward this place, I was thinking, what the bloody hell I am doing here? What have I let myself into? We will see. Um, one of the bad things about life, Ozzy, is that we get older and people, mm. young people come along. I hate them. Yes. But for their benefit, because I know what kind of footballer you are, take away mm. your humility <laughs> and tell the truth about the kid who played on television in mm. baby football yes. at 12 in Cordoba, the guy who played brilliantly for La Gloria, who yeah. came to Spurs, etc., etc. Describe what made you, you, mm. a world-class footballer. I would have to say that the main, main factor has been luck. Is this a simple... Oh, it is luck. I mean, when I said that, I have a kind of theory that everything in life is luck. Because I was born in a house. I was, first, I was born in a country that was uh, football crazy all the time. Um, I was born with a kind of uh, coordination between my mind and my legs, my body in general, but especially my legs. And in a place like Argentina, I have to be a football player. It's as simple as that. Uh, luck because I never have suffered any, any very bad injury. Luck because I survived one or two accidents that it would very easily cost my life. But, uh, luck because my father was a lawyer. That means that I, every day I eat a piece of steak, for example, because in Argentina we all, if you don't eat a steak, it's, it's like you have not eaten. So every day I would have a piece of steak and with potatoes and all uh, and spaghetti, whatever it is. So uh, all this, when you put all this into the mixer, it's uh, very, very clearly it's luck. You see, whenever you tolerated me at Revista de la Liga, and particularly on the yeah. nights out, <laughs> and you did tolerate me because mm. you were very generous, we always ended up in some kind of friendly argument. Or that. And I have to argue right now, you, yes. you haven't told the truth. You, no, said, no, no, it is you said you had to be a footballer. Your dad did not want you to be a football? No, not at all. No, 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 no. My dad was one of the very, very few 
Argentinian people that did not, did not like football, in fact. Um, he didn't want to see me play. He was all the time afraid that I was going to be hurt. Especially because I have, uh, we were four brothers. I am the third one. And my two older brothers, especially my second brother, always took me to kind of very funny places. Poor places, because the football was much, much better. It was a proper challenge there uh, for me. So um, it was very, very tough. And of course, my father was not, uh, was not happy uh, that I was playing there. Because your dad was a lawyer. Yes. So my, yeah. so my father, as you know, I, I studied law. Uh, that was the, my oldest brother is a lawyer. And, uh, but I was, I was playing, and very naturally, I was quite good. What kind of lawyer would you have been? Ah, I think I would have been more, more the lawyer, I would have been a judge, probably. Um, when I studied law, I, I mean, I didn't want to be so much a, a lawyer, but much, much more a, a judge. Perry Mason, you remember Perry Mason? I do. <laughs> of course I remember Perry Mason. I'm Perry. older than him. Yes. No, 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 you're not. And uh, Perry Mason was my idol in television and so on. So I always feel that uh, I thought that they were going to be like I me. can imagine you in court and I can imagine you winning. But the <laughs> thing about being a judge, was that about justice or was that about authority or did you like the nice robes? No, 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 no. It's about justice. It's about the, the principle. It's about the... Yes. No, no, no. It's not about, of course, you're a judge, you're going to be very high in the... But it was not because of that, no. My father, after... He was a very, very humble man as well. He was never in the pursuit of, of money, for example. Money in my house was a kind of a bad word. Say. We never, ever, ever talk about money. My father would never allow to talk about money. But coming back to football, I, little by little I was playing football. Uh, I knew I was very good. No false modesty no, here. No, tell the truth, because yes. we want people who, who didn't have the privilege of seeing yes. you to understand. Yes. Some people always, I've been asked who discovered you. Well, nobody discovered me, or, or everybody discovered me. I mean, everybody knew I was going to be, I was going to be very, very good. And uh, the big, big question was because I was very small. I was very small, and so the question, the big, big question was, yes, you're brilliant, but are you going to be able to play the first team? Football in Argentina was pretty cynical at the time, and so on. But little by little, I, uh, I went there. You're the same height as Di Stefano, for example. Yes. And growing up, I don't know how much his games were televised, but how aware were you of Di Stefano? No, not at all. Uh, I knew Di Stefano, Alfredo Di Stefano after, yes, and, and I shake hands with him, and of course, I, when I knew all his accomplishments, brilliant. But my, the people I, I admire, you're talking about the 66 World Cup, for example, in England. This is the first one that I, I saw in television, so doesn't look good for an Argentinian, but I will say it anyway, but, but my idol was Pelé, of course. And I always fight in my, in talking with, 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 with the people, talking about football and so on, because I was very, very pro-Brazilian in my, in my makeup. Uh, I, the Argentinian, when you compare the Argentinian football and the Brazilian football, Brazil is more samba, Argentina is more tango, so we are much more tough and samba Brazil is kind of, we just play and so on. Fluid. Fluid and beautiful football and so on. In 66 in Argentina, saying you were pro-Pele or pro-Brazil, yeah. that was a little bit dangerous. Because the rivalry is very serious. Yes. Sure, sure, sure. Not, not dangerous in the way that somebody was going to hit me or anything. But 
Some people they say, what, what, how can you? How can you support Brazil? It's not that I support Brazil, but I, I'm very sorry, but I absolutely love great football. Uh, 1970, going forward a little bit more, that I knew a little bit more was my favorite team of all time, the Brazil of 1970, World Cup champion, when they, when they play with 10 number 10s in in the side. Yarsinho, That's a great expression. Tostau. I've never heard that expression yeah, they were number ten. I've never heard it before, but it's a beautiful expression. They were, well, you know what it means I do. to be number 10. So the, all these players, they were number 10 in their own team. Who was the real number 10 for them then? Not the number. Tostal? Tostal, in, in the World Cup, he played with the number 9. But in fact, he was more the number 10. This, yeah. The, the brain behind all this thing. But it was so, it was Yarsinho, Yarsinho, Tostao, Pelé, Rivalinho. Oh, Gerson. Gerson. Yarsinho, yeah. uh, Gerson, Tostao, Pelé, and Rivalinho. Say no more. No bad. And then the other midfield, the defensive midfield in Inverted Comba was Claude Aldo. That was another wonderful, wonderful player. Yeah. Again, when I started to play football, being a kid, so the challenge was to go. It was a shanty town, not far from my This house. is where your brother took you to the shanty town. Yes. Is this football potrero uh, yes. that we're talking yes. about? Yes, yes, yes. Well, I mean, you see the, the pitches there, they were awful. Funny enough, for example, my brother, my two older brothers, they could not come into the shanty town. No, 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 because they're, you, you arrive with the Nike shoes or some kind of... You, you, no, no, nobody will hit you, nothing, but they will, they will take everything from you. I mean, they will take it. Oh, they, they take it. You cannot go with the bicycle, they will take the bicycle, of course, that is, they go without saying. And if you receive and so on, they will give you a pom-pom and, and they will take it anyway. <laughs> Funny enough, I, I could go there. Why? Because I was a good football player. It was this kind of respect. So I come inside the house and, yeah, no problem. And some of the boys, I took, I took them home, we play, and after that, come on, come into my house and so on. And... My poor mother, they would give him a sandwich or something to eat and tea, coffee, whatever it was, or chocolate, and yeah. But football gave me this kind of uh, protection. It's funny because it isn't just talent that allowed you to be in the shantytown. I, I think that we're going to come on to this theme in a minute because I actually do mm. plan these interviews. You may not notice, but mm. we do plan it a little bit. You're, you're tough. <laughs> you know, for all that you're born bright, intelligent, mm born talented, born to a good family, uh, you know, s- smart parents, good parents. You're a tough man. <laughs> so being in the, 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 the Barrio Potrero or whatever, simple talent alone, you're a little guy. <laughs> so whether you're talented or not, they could have picked <laughs> on you. Um, but I think you, you are born innately with a tough mentality, tough personality. In the football game, coming to play the football game, of course, I mean, they were very, very tough. They, they would not give me kind of special... They would give me special attention, attention, meaning they would try to kick me, yes, of course. Um, so I learned a lot. I mean, I, have, I learned how to defend myself. I never have a, I never have a, a bad injury. My first injury, in fact, was when I was 30 years old. Uh, a, silly, a silly one will maybe come later on to that in played against Manchester City, blah, blah, blah. But it was... Um, I never had in, any injuries because playing in that kind of situation, that it gave me the ability to, to jump when, when, when the tackle was coming, to anticipate very, very... I used to think, for example, that was later on in life, for example, if I am playing with the, 
with a guy that, say in England, definitely they will come for me if they can put me in the stand. They will do it because, I mean, it's a big, big uh, advantage for them. It was also pretty much allowed then. It was. Más o menos. The, the referees, were, they gave the guys who came looking for you two or three goals and then they would yes, say, okay, enough. Exactly. For five or ten minutes, they was kind of licensed to kill. It was as simple as that. I mean, they, I knew. So if somebody come, if somebody heard me say, I always thought, well, it's not, it's not because they did it or they are brilliant. Or, no, it was my fault because I allowed them. I allowed them to be close enough. I, I, I had to read the situation. I had to read the situation and no allow them to be, to give them the chance to kick me, to put me out in the stand. I understand. It's a strong yeah. point of view. Yeah. Because it's really their fault. But your awareness... It and is. And I was going to come to that. I wish I was playing now. With the amount of protection right you, now. You'd play too. forever. Ooh. You'd have 35 assists per season. Exactly. Probably 10 goals. Yes, no problem. Easy. But uh, when you, given that you didn't play not now... Not to mention uh, I would be a lot richer. In, in you my would be a lot richer. No and a couple World Cups That is another well. luck. That is another luck. This is how I... When I think about luck and so on. If I was born 20 years later, I will, I will be a lot, a lot, lot richer than I, that I am right now. As simple as that. If I was, when I was born, if I was born, say, 20 years before, I will be very poor, or I will be quite poor. Again, that, that is, is 100% luck. This is in the way I look at luck. It's a great way to find peace mm. in life, to not just accept, but to assess and say, I recognize the good things. Yes. I, I need to ask you, Ozzy, because I think it's important to your story. I think your mom's dad was chief of police. No, My me, your wife, dad. Your, your wife's dad, yes. pardon me, was chief of police. Yes. And Cordoba, in those days, was, was quite an interesting place. What kind of city were you growing up in? It's a very beautiful city. Yep. But, but. in those days, I think it was a city full of risk, mm. full of conflict. Yes. Try to make people understand what was going on around you in Cordoba. <laughs> Well, that was the time you're talking about early 70s, 71, 72, 73, and so on. I made my debut in the first team, 69, I was 17 years old. I was pretty famous because that came from being... This is Instituto, La Gloria, Instituto, no? Instituto, okay. La Gloria in Córdoba, yes. Um, very nice club. Again, I was playing, I was born in, in a place called Juniors, um, General Paz Juniors, and it's very affluent, and, and I was a member of the, of, of the club, this club. Junior was the best club in Cordoba. It was brilliant. It was num- number one in everything, in, in basketball, in swimming. It had everything. They have every, like Real Madrid, so they have everything and so on. So it was the best, the best club in Cordoba. My father made me... Made me so I, I lived there. I lived there every day and so on. I was there. They were not the number one in football, crucially. So when, when I had to sign, I was 13 years old, and I started to play more serious football, I went to sign for Instituto. That in football was better than juniors, but nowhere near in, as a club. The people in juniors, they were not happy at all. There was the, in a way, I was the cream of the cream, say, and, and suddenly, hello, thank you, bye-bye. Goodbye. But again, that the, the, the decision was not a difficult one. It was a, it was a football decision. It was a football decision. In, basically, in junior, I would play with my kind of little posh friends. They were very good, very nice, no problem. But the other was a real, real challenge. I mean, they were much tougher. The background was not as, as good and so on. So I, well, one is 
we were winning all the time to start as well. So <laughs> that's nice. But coming back to what you were saying, the seventies, yes, Cordo- Cordoba is the second city of Argentina. Argentina is divided by states, like United States. So you have um, the number one state is Buenos Aires, and the capital where the where the capital is, Buenos Aires, is the capital of the of the country. <clears throat> the second state uh, is Cordoba, and the capital of the Cordoba state is Cordoba City. So I was in Cordoba City. So uh, Cordoba City is uh, Che Guevara was born there, for example, um, to give you an idea. Famous revolutionary, famous very, very, very left-wing yeah, man. Yeah, 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 exactly. A lot of the things that happened in Argentina, a lot of the things start in Cordoba. Why? Because it have a very famous, very, very famous... The, the first university in, uh, in Argentina, one of the very first in, in Latin America. So a place of... Learning, yes. a place of culture, yes. a place of education, yes. a place which the ruling people don't like, a, a place of thinking and ideas. Absolutely. And I was in university as well. I was in a very social theme. I mean, law. If I understand it, you lived in a time of kidnappings, bombings, yes, 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 trying yes. to overthrow the state government. Yes, it was a big uh, upheaval. In fact, in 1969, against the, the national power, Perón, uh, Juan Domingo Perón was living in Spain at the time, in Madrid, and uh, he was uh, out of the presidency in Argentina in 1952, 53, no, 54. I had one or two years old, and he went to, to Madrid, and he was commanding Argentinian politics, in fact, from there. From Spain. From Spain, that's right. The Peronista, very, very strong in Argentina. And in Argentina, we have a military government, very, a little bit, not very clever, say. And uh, so there were a lot of revolt in Cordoba. And now, coming back a little bit to your question, my father-in-law, say, uh, then he was a colonel in the army, and he was put as a, as a chief of police in, in Cordoba City. What it means, really, that it was, that was Perón come back to Argentina, and he was the president of Argentina. So when that happened, uh, it was uh, in, in Cordoba, it was a democratic government, the Peronistas. But the Peronistas have basically have two wings. One is the very, very right wing, kind of fascist, and the other one was the very, very left wing. And the one in Cordoba was left wing. So, in fact, it was quite a problem for, for Perón. So my father-in-law, he was imposing the government of Cordoba as the chief of police. And, yeah. To bring order, to, 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 bring, to keep people... To, to have it in check. But to give you an idea how, how it was, I, I was married in 1973. December 1973, at the end, after Christmas. I was married there, and I have presents from Perón, I have presents from the governor of Córdoba, the the governor, the vice-governor, the minister of justice, everybody, they were in my wedding, December of 73. Two months later, my father-in-law put all of them in jail (laughs) and and took control of of the government. It was... uh, it was a very, very serious incident. It uh, is. You, uh, you can imagine. There were people dead in the, because they were... Uh, they were shot. They were fighting in the, in the street and, yeah. and so on and so on and so on. Ozzy, you know, I, I'm 56 now. Mm. So I grew up in an era when Northern Ireland was yes. difficult and dangerous and I went there rarely so I didn't have to live around it. Mm. That's the nearest I can come to understanding your yes. situation. Mm. And I presume you're going to tell me that it wasn't frightening... But it was unstable. It was all you'd ever known. You'd grown yeah. up in it. You were, if I, if I don't say your family was powerful, 
at least you were in Jufid, you, you were in, in a good position. But compared to how you live today or how your children and your grandchildren live today, it, it was the Wild West in behavior. It was. Of course, you are 100% right. When I was there, it didn't, it didn't look that bad, say. But in fact, it was a cold room of... Uh, and apart from that, I was in university as well. Yeah. So it was all these ideas, in, I mean, the different ideas. and I mean, some of my friends in university disappeared, for example. Disappeared? They disappeared, yes. Which so, means they were taken and killed. That's right. To complicate more things, in, I, did the, I did the army. I was... Con- Conscripted. In this the, was obligatory. You had to you do had, it, really? Yes, yes. You yes. had to do one you, year? When you were 20 years old, you had, for one year, you had to do it. We are four brothers. The only one that did the bloody army was me. <laughs> <laughs> no, because, because somebody had a word? No, 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 because, no, 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 no. Because it was, in the way that I seen, it's you, you, you lose one year. That's, that's the point. You are studying, you can study. If you are uh, working, you cannot work. So, in a, in a lot of ways, you lose one year. So, my older brother, in fact, he, he, was, he used to play a little bit, and he was quite good. He had a very bad injury in his knee when he was going to go into the army. And the army, at the time, he had to, he took the, because it's a kind of, uh, you go in a, in a ballot, and, and he was the Navy. Navy was two years, no one. <gasps> so, anyway, he was, he didn't operate himself, and so when he went, the, the people in the medical said, no, 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 you cannot do it, bye-bye. So no Navy, no Army because of the no, injury? No, my father, no, because of, yeah. My second brother as well, he had an injury before. He, he, he didn't work, so he couldn't put... So. And the doctors didn't go, oh, like, another idealist and another injury. Muy interesante. No, 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 no. True. Then... A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ricky's 15 days younger than me, so Ricky was in the same thing. Ricky Villa. Rick, Ricky Villa, yeah. Ricky is a lucky, lucky man. <laughs> what happened to him? What happened to him? There are certain numbers they don't do the army because depending how many people the army needs, so some people, so 
from number 10 to 150. This is the ballot. It's the ballot. Maybe you're lucky, maybe you're not. That's right. So he had the ballot. No, not Armin. Lucky Ricky. <laughs> then the world is screaming now. They're only listening to this in the future. The world is screaming, what kind of soldier were you? I did the, the first part. The, the first part was um, the tough part, the, all the, the training and so on. So that I means running. Cut? Completely, like, like you. Shaved off? Shaved. Yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a handsome young man like you with the shapely nineteen <laughs> seventies mm. haircut, I guess that was a horrible moment. Oh, it was terrible, and every, every soldier were trained to. Oh no, no, no! <laughs> no, at, at the end of the day, everybody, <laughs> everybody yeah. off. Yes, I you must say, it, looking now, it looks it looks quite good. Yes, you didn't oh, like it at the time. No, 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 I hate it. It's really in fashion now. It was a wonderful experience. Of course, I didn't want to do it, but after being there. The camaraderie, it's incredible. You are in the army and people talk about, it's funny how things work sometimes. People talk about patriotism, talking about the nation and this and that and the other. And maybe a little bit of a Judas, but uh, the only thing that you, you have to do there was to survive. Not that they were going to kill you, no, but to survive meaning that you have to be there trying to do the less work. Possible. It teaches you to be very, very street smart, right? I was quite street smart, to be honest, <laughs> already, because I was already playing in the first team. Voluntary to do some kind of dirty work. So there were, uh, say, ten people. One, In fact, they were not doing one, one step forward. It was Everything. the other one going Everything. back. Exactly. Ninety people taking one exactly. step back. <laughs> but the one that the, what the volunteer probably I said, okay, you just go and sit down there, relax and salute. You bastard, come and you, you go and clean the toilet. Who was the university educated? Oh hello, I am here. <laughs> okay, you go and clean Toilets the toilet. Toilet again. Exactly, toilet again. So you have to be I was playing the first thing at the time. So it was the most famous in the in, in the plateau thing. Because I was playing so many games, I played. It was the first time Instituto went to play in Buenos Aires. We played with a big guy. We played against Boca Juniors, River Play. So it was a, for Cordoba was unbelievable, and, and of course I was a very integral part of uh, of the team. So I started to go. Um, I did the army say from seven o'clock in the morning to eleven o'clock. Then I went. I went to I went to my house. I I stayed sometime to eat in the army because it was not in, it was not the army. It was in the in fact it was the Air Force. Because the number again, great memories. That year was incredible because I did I, I did the army, I did the football of course, uh, training every day, and uh, and university as well. So everything. So coming back to the university, this is what maybe saved me because the, the university, especially in Cordoba, especially law, it was a kind of a cauldron of new ideas. By definition, they were again the against the. The government, the junta. again, the, the right wing. Because you lived in a democratic state. Yes, of course. You were in an ancient university yes. in a legal department where people were thinking about justice, universal justice, exactly. not the law, no, no. liberty. They were talking about they were talking about liberty, they were talking about justice, they were talking about democracy. And, uh, and, and then in all seriousness, to go hmm. back, because just that people understand, that's why some of your friends disappeared and yes, were killed. Yes, yes. And when yes. you said... What saved me, maybe? Football saved me because I didn't have... I was very, very pro. Uh, I was very... In, in my ideas. You very, had the same ideas as the yes, people who disappeared. Yes. But you can imagine, without proving it, somewhere upstairs, somebody who might have said, take that guy too, they went, no, OK, 
He's no, a footballer. No, no, no. I didn't. No, I didn't express my idea. Because I didn't have time. I didn't have time to be in university and to and to be a member of a, of a party, maybe a labor party, or, or I didn't have time. So I didn't do it. I was. Uh, mentally, I was uh, my ideas were with them, yes, but I never expressed it. Or I never, I, I never have time. No. Eventually, did you, did you clash with your father-in-law, or did you just keep quiet? No, 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 no. My father-in-law was very, very right-wing. Yeah. And uh, no, I never clashed. I just, well, I just came here. What happened is after when he did that in seventy-three, seventy-four, February. 74, he organized the push against. Democracy. Right, right. So what it should have done from the law point of view, it should be the, the national government should put him in jail, take control of the, of, of, of the state, uh, restore the authorities, the governor and so on. That is from the law point of view. And he who had to go in jail for, for well, what he did was sedition. It's, it's called sedition. But of course, the, the, the national there, government... There are people in jail in, in Catalonia right now for 10 15 yes. years for sedition, yes, right. and Scotland is resisting yes. sending Ponsetti back to Catalonia for sedition. Yes. It's a very ancient term. Of course. Treason but against the state, more or less. To give you an idea, that was a lot, a lot more worse, because, say, in Catalonia, at the end of the day, nobody died. Um, it was basically because it was um, a boat, and, okay, that was illegal, blah, 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 blah. But in the Argentina point of view, he just... When they are and he go to you are in jail, you are in jail, you are in jail. The, the proper uh, government of the of, of the of the state. No process of law. No process. All of you in jail and so on. I take control now and so on. So, on. so that is very very kind of uh, textbook sedition. Say. I need to. I'm going to hop here because, hmm. like say Tarantino might do in Pulp Fiction, we have to change chapters and come hmm. back. Yeah. Because naturally now I could speak about Kempes and El hmm. Flaco yeah. and Huracan going to a title-winning team in Buenos Aires. But it's funny when you have a good conversation, and I knew this would be a good conversation because you're smart, you put up with me, we've proven that before. I'm a lucky man, I told you. But talking like this explains to me the answer to the question I'm going to ask you now, because when you came to England first, you had very little knowledge of England, very little knowledge of um, Tottenham Hotspur, very little English. And we've been told by a teammate of yours... The, on day one at the training, when you and Ricardo are there and training is finished, there wasn't the kind of player care that there is now with player liaison officers mm. who say, no. hello foreign players that are really important to us. Let us take you back to your home and make sure you're happy. At the end of training on, on, on day one, they kind of just tip you out into the London streets in a Ford Cortina. Is that more or less how it happened? You left your own devices? One, it wasn't a full cortina. It was a bit much better than that, but uh, it's still not very good anyway. Um, <laughs> we arrived we right with Ricky, and Ricky was... Um, Ricky, I mean, if Ricky had to come in his own, he would never have come in his own. He didn't want to come, Ricky. I was definitely, yes, I convinced Ricky to come because I, I, I love it. I, he was your roommate. Yes, because of all this thing that was happening in Argentina, I was, I, was, I was starting to feel very, very uncomfortable. I wanted, and after winning the World Cup, I thought, I, I already said I, I wanted to carry on playing in Europe. I wanted to come to, not in England, I mean Europe. Europe, yes, is, for me... It Maybe was, Barcelona, Madrid. It was... Uh, Milan. Spain, Italy, and France, in that order, as simple as that. Italy, England, there was no one single player, so not even coming to the equation. So anyway, but coming back to your question, we arrived with Rick. I knew a lot of things about 
England already. I knew well. I knew because of my education. I knew the, the capital, London. So it was when it was London. I was very very happy, very very happy. Though it was not uh, another city, say it was London, the capital. And Ricky, we had the first training, and Ricky was pulling my. Oh, see, he said, oh, see, oh, see, yeah, Ricky, what, what happened? What happened to you? He said, this to me fucking crap. <laughs> Pelotazos, no? Yes. No, but. It was bad as well. I mean, even pelotazo were not very good. Uh, <laughs> they didn't even kick the no, long ball. It was very, very typically. A, this is something that Keith Wilkinson never was very economical with the truth to put it like that. I mean, never told me that the team was coming from the second to the first. They just got they just got promoted, didn't they? He did. Maybe I will. That will tip the balance for me not to come. Yeah. Because after winning the World Cup, I wanted to carry on winning things, being in a proper team and so on. And by definition, you are from the second division to the third division, you're going to be struggling. Yeah. And, uh, and the team was the third from, from the second division to be promoted. I mean, we were number one candidate to go, to go down. And the team was a second division team that suddenly started to play in the third division. So, uh, and the first game of the season is 4-1 against... The against Villa, 4-1 defeat. The first game was, yes, not even 4 away, 1-1, one, one, incredible, because they were the champion of Europe, Robertson, Archie Gemmel, Gary Bertel, brilliant team. Stick with the Scots, that was really good. I'm glad you picked the two Scottish guys first. <laughs> yes, yes. Robertson could play. We may talk about the World Cup as well after. Willie Johnson. Willie Johnson, pish. I mean, that was, I am talking about everything, but uh, that was an extraordinary thing. I remember the manager saying, saying we are going to win the World Cup. If I was the manager of this team, I would say exactly the same thing. Sunez, uh, Daglish, and the best, the best of Liverpool, the best of Manchester United, Jordan, Macari, Martin Buckham. Born, in, born in the Aberdeen. Best, the best. <laughs> Aberdeen Cup winner in 1970. I love you even more. Steve Archibald? No, no, it's <laughs> not after. nearly. Steve was after. But. The, the top of the top of the cream of uh, of Celtic or Rangers, it was uh, Nottingham Forest, Robertson, Archie Gemmel, and so on. Brilliant team. Anyway, I'm talking. But you, how did you even? Because let's be honest, in, in Argentina, 1978, just like the rest of the world, there's no internet. No, I, I refuse to believe that Argentine Argentine television was. And now an update from the Scottish camp. Yeah, which I think we were in Cordoba. We certainly played in. You Cordoba. were definitely no. You were based in Cordoba. Based in Cordoba. In fact, in, uh, you were based in Cordoba. It's a little town just outside Cordoba, only twenty miles. Alta Gracia, that is very Alta nice, Gracia. very beautiful place, and with lakes and. So Alta Gracia literally means a high, high beauty, high grace, your, yes. your holiness. Yes. We, we we picked the wrong place then. <laughs> well, <laughs> literally. Well, you were in the you were in a hotel, big hotel. There was a casino there as well. So anyway, I, I, <laughs> well, we're talking. We about, should have won the World Cup. I'm glad you said it, not yes. me. Forget about Scotland for a moment. And so, Shigwell, you're up oh, in. Yes, we're you're, you're, It's training session one. This team is crap. Yes. And I said, Ricky, you are, I said, you're fucking right as well. I mean, basically, unluckily, we have a Glenn Hoddle and, uh, and Steve Perriman. The rest were, were, it was very clearly a second division team. So it was incredible what we did from there. I mean, this first year, we finished middle of the table. Mm-hmm. It was an extraordinary accomplishment, mm-hmm. extraordinary. Immediately we played against Aston Villa. Aston Villa were a very good team at the 
at the time. Uh, they were they were the champions. They, they the European after. champions eighty one. That's right, brilliant. Um, so they beat us four one at home, and then we went Liverpool. They beat us seven nil, and so things were incredibly bad. Ricky, <laughs> I remember we, Saturday we played Liverpool. They beat us seven nil, and so we have a, our lesson. But Ricky was just married, so. The, the lesson was all the time in my house, he lived next door, so sometimes he will come, sometimes he won't come, or sometimes he will come, say hello, bye-bye, disappear, okay, no problem. He had other things to keep him happy. Yes, that's right. Well, yes, me too, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had to learn English as well. So, and so, we had, we had a teacher, Matthew, lovely, lovely man, and, and then, so, we, we played Liverpool 7 nil, and Monday was, Kibogin should always did a kind of uh, meeting, all the players there and so on, and I already knew that Ricky, Ricky lives in another world. Always did kind of. This is about his personality. So I said to Ricky this day, Monday, we are going to go early. Um, you just follow me, okay? Okay, no problem. So he was there, say, with the blackboard, and Keith was there. So we sit in the very back. So when we early in the very back. When we went in the very back, all the all all the senior players were there already. So all the, the junior one here. But of course, Keith will ask questions. He will ask, what do you think of, uh, and of course, he will ask the, the senior player, not going to be asking the, the, the kids. The, 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 kids. the kids are quiet. The <laughs> so, everybody was looking at the floor, <laughs> nobody, nobody said anything. <laughs> and, and Keith said, what, anybody want anything to say? And not, nobody. And Ricky said, what's he going to say? I said, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Don't say anything. No, no, what's he going to say? I want to say something. And Keith said, excuse me, Ozzy, Ricky wants to say something. Uh, and I said, yes, 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 of course. So Ricky stand up like that. Not, not a lie, 100%. He stand up like that and he said, Ricky, what do you want to say? Say, say what do you want to say? And he said, the cat is under the table. <laughs> and everybody went, <laughs> Nobody could run, nobody could laugh as well because it was under the table. The cat is under the table. He learned it the, 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 <laughs> That's the only thing he knew about, about English. <laughs> the cat is so everybody. <laughs> <laughs> this is I well, love that even show more. you that show you how we were playing at the time. <laughs> that is when when serious conflict, serious Ricky was with this thing, for example, because, well, footballistically, we were playing American, South American style, English style, something in the middle. A big mix. A big mix. Yeah. We wanted, definitely, definitely, definitely demanded the ball. Ricky was not touching the ball at all. He didn't touch the ball. Because maybe it's because always going over him. They or? didn't give the ball because Ricky was all the time kind of risky in the way he played and so on. So they, they don't pass the ball to him. So Ricky had a terrible, terrible time the first two and a half years at the beginning. Ricky, when coming came in 1981, for example, Ricky was going to be, Ricky was, uh, for example, they, my contract, they multiply by three, my contract. His contract was, the improvement was 10%. Mm. He knew, of course, I would tell him, boom, this is it. So, so he was going. This is how bad he was. Of course, he scored the goal and then he, five times more, uh, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> he scored so the goal, but he scored like, the goal in, and in, then, the, in the first part of the final, He's really unhappy because I don't know if it's the nerves or the ball doesn't go for him or it's just a bad day. 
Exactly. Uh, if you know Ricky, if you know, the, for example, you ask any Siperryman or all the boys there, know Ricky. Well, with Ricky, you never knew. You never, ever knew. I was his room partner all the time. I didn't know he was going to have a good game or a bad game. Ricky would play absolutely brilliant. I have seen him playing certain games, for example, for Argentina, that if Maradona played in that way, Maradona would be very, very proud of playing in that way. He was so, so good. So extraordinary talent. In the other hand, I have seen Ricky play certain games that I said, is he a professional player? He cannot be. He cannot be a professional player. <laughs> I, I don't want to make the comparison too close, but if you think about his physical shape then mm. and what he could do with his body, there were things that reminded me between Waddle and Ricky because yeah. the balance, the idea, the technical yes. skill. Also, I mean, he's he's... At this age now, he isn't the physical specimen he was then. Mm. But for somebody to have such balance and grace in that size was a little bit unusual. It was brilliant. But after saying that, I mean, the first two years, well, the team didn't give him the ball. For me, it was a little bit different because somehow I can win the ball back, so I started to play and so on. And in fact, if I didn't give the ball to Ricky, he won't touch the ball. As simple as that. You but, had to supply Ricky? Or well, I was yeah, the other guys wouldn't? Mostly. No, the defender, for example. When I go back to, to, to the defender, we're starting to demand the ball, especially with Glenn, to the central defender, to the right back, left back, hey, don't, don't kick it, don't, don't, don't. So we impose our, our way of thinking. Of course, it, it was, basically it was Glenn and me. I were, at, the, at the time, the, we were the two most important players, of and course. And Keith allowed you to, to reshape the idea of yes. the team because... Well, he was very happy. <laughs> But not, not, not every... Because he's a hard man, Birkinshaw. People forget. Yes. Tough Yorkshireman. Yes. And most people in that position, even if the guy, you or Glenn, are good, they feel challenged. Mm. But he knew it was to his benefit because that's a little bit unusual in life. It was very, very clever to allow us. And then we became the most beautiful team to watch. And... And he have all these acclamations and how he has changed uh, football and so on. But like I said, it, it wasn't, basically it was Glenn and me. It was, and he allowed this to happen and so on. He was, after that, when I went to West Bromwich Albion, for example, he was my assistant manager. So, and, uh, and we used to clash a lot of time because I wanted to play everything from the back, start playing and so on. So, oh, no, 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 that is too much. And so, no, said, no compromise. Definitely we're going to play from the back. That to give you an idea. So he wasn't very, very happy sometimes with it. But Glenn and me, we will not lose the ball anyway. So he's starting to see the, starting to see the, starting to see the results. Mm. And then in two or three years later, when Archibald and Crooks arrived, they were the... A proper partnership. They were the icing on the cake because all the things have already started to improve. Chris Hutton, Tony Galvin, Grant Robert, Steve Perryman right back. So all the team is starting to, to improve. But we needed somebody from, and then the two of them arrived, and they were they were brilliant. They complemented each other extremely well, and and they were super players. There was a good guy in that team, in that squad, who didn't get enough games because of you and Glenn. And when I listened to him in Barcelona uh, last season, up on stage talking to people, and somebody said to him, Mickey, Mickey Hazard, mm. of all the players, mm. of every player that you would take and put in the modern Spurs. Mm. Who would you choose? Hmm. And he chose you. Well, I will be very... I, I, I will chin him if he didn't, he didn't pick me, yes. <laughs> you would chin him. Um, 
Mickey I, was. <coughs> I don't think it was fear that made him. Oh no, no, no. I think it was love and respect. He's a tough guy too. Yes, yes, yes. Mickey was an ex- exceptional player. It's absolutely exceptional. Exceptionally talented. Um, I will say it was not a lot of difference between him and Glenn Hoddle in terms of pure talent. I'm glad you said that. Yes. I, I adored watching. Mickey oh, yes, really? I adored. mean, 1984, he was our best player. Glenn and me, we were injured. He was the, he, he took control of uh, of everything. Uh, brilliant, absolutely. And a, and a guy coming to a new environment, like not from Argentina, but coming from the northeast, and finding it hard to well to. I don't know. He talked about it being culturally difficult for a man from the northeast to come to London. Well, now he's more a Londoner than a Sunderland. So uh, yeah. It's a very close friend of mine, yes. Yeah. Thank you for listening to The Big Interview. It's produced by me, which sounds egotistical, but it's also true, Graham Hunter, and Backpage. Our music is by Beer Jacket, who else? Editing by Charlie McGarry. Thank you to our hosts at Acast and our loyal sponsors at Bet365. We're also supported by our socios. Find out how to become a socio, how to support us at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Here endeth the lesson.